Welcome to the Link Adelaide podcast. My name is Steve Moylan, and today I've got another artist from the 2015 Adelaide Fringe. Uh, and I'm joined on the line by Gareth Hart. He's probably done more of these than I have. Uh, he has a show. He's doing Dance Again at uh, the Adelaide Fringe uh, with Excavate, a brand new show that he's working on right at the moment. Uh, joins me on the line now. How are you doing? Hey, Stephen. I'm good. I'm good, good. How are you doing? Oh, uh, flat out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's fringe time. It's what happens. You're probably just as busy as all the makers at the moment. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think my job is a bit perhaps easier, busier. though. What's that? Uh, perhaps a little busier. We've only got to make one show. You're trying to cover, well, I can't even imagine how many hundreds. 1,058. <laughs> You're trying to get every show. I'll wow. do as many as I can. <laughs> I, I kind of want to beat 2012 when I did just over 100 interviews. So I want to see if I can do that again. And then You'll see how much further that. I can I have, go. So, I but, have complete confidence in you. Well, yeah. it's been five a day so far, so it's, it, hopefully we'll get there. Starting strong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about you. Let's talk about Excavate. Excavate. Uh, do, do you want to just hear the, the spiel, or do you want to uh, ask them specific, or should I just go into automation mode? Oh, let's go into a bit of a spiel, and then we'll <laughs> ruminate on it afterwards. <laughs> Oh, cool. Okay, so Excavate is a dance work. Yep. Uh, it's the third work I've brought to Adelaide, um, having a very sad hiatus last year from Adelaide Fringe, um, which I was very um, distraught about being in Melbourne during Fringe time. So I'm super excited uh, to bring a new work back. Um, as if any of your listeners know my work or any people um, know of my work, uh, though it's in some ways similar to others. It's an, it's an intimate work, it's a small audience. It sort of looks at um, sensory activation for an audience. So there's no seating bank involved. Um, there's no sort of traditional on-stage, off-stage kind of divide. There's no lighting set up. Um, and as all of my work through all my life, it's an evolution of my, I guess, my investigations into improvisation and what um, what sort of profundity can be found within the moment of now, sort of a looking at spontaneous choreography and uh, improvisation as a, as a choreographic tool, not just a sort of in-the-studio generate material sort of tool. Um, I guess thematically, uh, this is the first work I've made for a long time that has a, a real overt um, desire or overt... Um, something to say, it really has something to say, this work. Okay. So it kind of looks like um, simultaneously digging up the, the sort of the stored past and the history of the body being the dancing body, my body, and my training and my experience and my sort of corporeal history, while simultaneously trying, trying to sort of excavate and dredge up the history of the place where the work is performed, being Adelaide. Uh, so it sort of packs a bit of a punch um, because I, I guess I like in some ways to be a little bit provocative. Um, so uh, the work, when I'm talking about dredging up the, the history of a place, it looks at uh, the sort of the unspoken history of that place or the things people don't want to talk about. Um, so, that, so in that way, the work sort of taps on or touches or sort of skirts around sort of... Um, uh, racial tensions, colonisation, indigenous issues, um, political movements of Adelaide, and as kind of centric as it can be to the performance space, performance location, um, and looks at kind of highlighting those. 
Um, and I guess poses the question in acknowledging that sort of dirtier past of a place, how can we heighten our awareness of the present, which would give forth or, you know, surge forth new understandings of what um, the potential of the future could be. Nice. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's the spiel. Um, I just read the media release this morning, so maybe I understand it a little bit more than I did yesterday. That yeah. Was a good one. Okay. Yeah. I was looking at the, I think you set up the Facebook event today for it. Um, and I was looking at that and really interested in, you've got a whole, looking at a whole lot of video work with this as well and sort of Will for that, I guess, need to do a lot of research around Adelaide and around the area that you're going to be performing in, which is on mm. on Gawler Place or just off Gawler Place in town. Um, yeah. So what sort of, how are you going about that kind of research work that you need to do to make up the videos? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of sort of strands that are being tackled um, in that way. And like all... Uh, Contemporary work, it starts with a bit of Googling. <laughs> it is uh, the old search engine 101. Um, and from there, just following a whole sort of series of strands of interest. So potentially, like, Google can lead me to some Wikipedia pages or some sort of historical society um, pages that have a whole lot of information on the history of Adelaide um, way back when. So it sort of looks at the period of the last 100 years, perhaps sort of set some parameters. Um, so it looks at sort of, you know, the ninth from 1900 until now, that sort of period. Um, so, you know, and, and the video uh, material has been collected from a whole bunch of places, you know, including online sort of public access um, video um, suppositories, um, places like the National Film and Sound Archive um, in Canberra, who have an extensive sort of um, catalogue of a lot of that kind of archival footage. Um, and then, you know, kind of old school research, for want of a better term, <laughs> libraries, and uh, yeah, and historical societies and just cool people that know cool things about uh, things that other people might not know about. Yeah, cool. And will you need to yeah. spend sort of extra time in Adelaide before you go up to kind of finish off that research? I hope so, yeah. I have a, a personal commitment. My sister's getting married. Yay! Um, so, yay! Oh, hi, Dallas. Um, a few days before the season opens, I have to be here for um, a party. Yeah. Um, very hard life um, as an artist, but um, yeah, I'm hoping to come up for a week beforehand. Yep. Um, to really sort of just nail it down and punch it out, um, and then come back, you know, polish it all up, go to a party, come back, get on a rooftop um, because the work is performed on a rooftop. Um, at the sunset, jump on a rooftop, do a bit of dancing, and uh, invite some people to partake in the listen or to see this. There's no audience participation. Yeah, and like because the evolution of your work, you seem to you've always picked really strange places to perform. I think your first work here was Ellipsis, which you performed inside mm -hmm. a string box that you created. I think that's right. Yep. Yep. And yep. the next one, which I was associated with, was Symphony of Strange, which which we did in the abandoned uh, department store, which is mm -hmm. was really, really wonderful and really kind of decrepit and almost decaying, which was great. Yeah. Big cabinet space. Opulence about it as well because of the sort of grandeur of a building that size and that yeah. empty. Um, and the yeah. fact, you know, that's <laughs> probably just about next door to where you're going to be performing this year as well. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, very close. It's actually just behind you. Enter the building from the alleyway at the back of that building, at the back of where Tuxi Aircat was two years ago on Fisher Place. Yeah. Which is just off Gawler Place near the Rumble Mall. Um, yeah, and the space is really intentional. So this work. I guess, was born in my head about a year and a half ago when I was about to apply for 2014 Adelaide Fringe. Um, and it was called, it was a work called Tunnel Vision in my head. And it was really 
uh, in its infant days, it was looking at sort of um, visual perception and visual, um, uh, uh, like, depth perception and optical illusions and so forth in, in live performance. So look, really looking at playing with a sense of depth um, in the work, and that's quite an evolution from, as you mentioned, Ellipsis and Symphony of Strange. So Ellipsis was a really, really confined sort of three-metre cube or two-and-a-half-metre cube, really, um, you know, surrounded by this pitch-black sort of hollow space. And then Symphony of Strange looked at what I thought was the antithesis of that space, which was a giant, massive space, um, the biggest I could find, the biggest and, and most expansive space I could find. Um, and then after Symphony of Strange, which I remounted a couple of times um, in the last sort of two years since premiering at Adelaide, just really realising that space is a massive interest of mine. Mm. Um, and it sort of came out of nowhere. It was really just, Ellipsis was just a choice. It was just like, that's easy to transport, that's easy to, to set up anywhere, that's the set. And then Symphony of Strange, I wanted to challenge that, so I wanted to get a big space. And then just through those two works, I just realised, yeah, that it, it is quite a quite a best interest of mine. So what is the next thing? So I've gone from this really intimate, you know, red-stringed, wispy cube to this giant abandoned warehouse field and dungeon-y department store space. Mm-hmm. And so what's next? I think about that, and, and that's where this sort of idea of depth perception, depth perception came from, and I really wanted to look at at a real sense of depth in, in dance. Um, and I don't, I don't know of a building bigger than where we did Symphony of Strange. So the idea was that it needed to be on a rooftop with actual, with the horizon. So it, was, it really quite is, you know, now this work is the antithesis of ellipsis. So confined space into theoretically see to the horizon sort of space. Yeah. Um, so that's, I guess that's where the space came from. And um, have you seen kind of what you will see of the horizon yet from the rooftop? I have. I haven't seen it at sunset, which is when the work is set. Yeah. Um, so the, the fading sunlight is the, the lighting design, Mother Nature's lighting design. Um, so I haven't seen it at sunset, but I've, I have very good reports from a few um, Adelaideans that it will be stunning, um, and that includes the venue um, manager themselves. Oh, They're very awesome. excited to see it used in that way. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's great for me because I get so, uh, there's a little bit of, bit of a spark in there for me, a bit of interest in it for me in that way that, you know, like I often think that um, we, as artists, you make the work that you want to see and it's really hard when you're super proud of a work because you never get to actually see the work you make if you're in it. <laughs> um, so in some ways I get to kind of experience that, that sunset feeling and that expansive sort of visual panorama of the work. So it's really exciting for me as well. And there's weirdly something kind of new about using natural light to light your show as well, which is something that we sort of never do anymore. Yeah, well, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a throwback, a bit of a throwback Thursday to the old days when you had to. The, the electricity wasn't a thing. You know, candles were a thing and lanterns and, and whatnot, but this is really, I guess it kind of throws a bit back to that amphitheatre kind of feel mm. um, that you have to perform with sunlight. Um, and I submit that the sunset idea I have seen done once before in Melbourne, in a laneway, um, without that sense of height and expanse, but definitely performed to capture that sort of gorgeous, grey, sort of hazy sense of the light as the sun is setting. Um, and it's, it's just a beautiful, really beautiful thing. And um, given some of the themes of the work that evolved about, you know, digging up the past and the sense of, like, I don't know, reaching down in history and down in space underneath, you know, what is underneath what's going on, um, putting it on a rooftop was really important. And then also sort of acknowledging that, you know, things fade and things shift and there is a... I guess, um, a cyclical nature to this 
uh, these ideas. Um, yeah, performing it without a, a lighting rig seems like the right choice in the moment. Nice. Have you done much of the choreography for the work yet? Uh, well, you know, like I said, it's an evolution of improvisational structures and scores that I've been working on for 10 years or so. Um, so in that sense, and of course, you know, some of the themes of digging up the past of the body, that made my training and my history and my experience in the body. Um, so that's all there. So I guess the, 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 the skeleton of the work is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of had this theory that performance is this sort of little blip on the radar, almost like a heartbeat or something that... You know, when you have an ongoing practice, you're constantly choreographing, particularly when you work with improvisation, you're constantly making choices and you're framing moments and you're being intentional in certain things, and they're all choreographic choices. And that a performance just actually makes you stick with a few. Mm. <laughs> it actually just sort of cements a few down. It's like, okay, for this work, in this moment, in March of 2015, in Adelaide, on a rooftop with the sun sitting, this is, these are the choices that I'm making. Um, so yeah, those, those have definitely started to really emerge. Um, and given that there is a, a sort of overtness to this work, there's some really exciting choices going on um, in the studio. Um, yeah, but I guess given that it's a month away, you know, I never try and lock things down through soon because you want there still to be, or I want there still to be a sense of exploration when I'm performing. Yeah. So I don't want anything to ever be too known. Um, so there is a structure to the work at the moment, and that will probably shift and morph and mould over the next four or five weeks um, until it's something concretely unknown. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, um, that will be sort of my launching pad into a sort of performance season two. So you, to you, you're that. still digging it up anyway, yourself, to make Pardon? a terrible pun. You're still excavating it yourself. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's shifting. It shifts all the time, and it you know it becomes a different thing, and my body changes, and you know I, I do a rehearsal or some studio time when I'm tired, and that affects things. I do a, a rehearsal when I'm feeling a bit cheeky and you know a bit funny, and that shifts things, or maybe my voice comes out at certain points. So yeah, it constantly shifts for me as well, um, which is great, and yeah. it will throughout the performance season as well. So. Oh yeah, mm. and I suppose too the other the other thing I've really noticed through working with you over the past couple of years on some of the works as well is. Mm. The, the big thing that you probably choreograph more than a lot of other people that I've worked with before as well is the space and the the audience experience. And I think you seem to be working a lot on that at the moment. And then yeah. almost to the point where the dance itself is secondary to the experience that everyone's going to have that you're curating at the moment before you get into the actual dance itself. Is that a fair yeah. call? It's, it's pretty fair, yeah, pretty fair. It's something that emerged when I used my master's was... Um, just sort of trying to understand this word choreography or trying to understand what, what the act of choreography is. Um, and, and as I sort of touched on a couple of minutes ago, for me, choreography, is, it's just choice making. You know, you're just, whether you're setting down like routines or whether you're, you know, deciding on improvisational scores or somewhere in the middle of those two things, it's all just choice making. And that choice making allows a frame sort of, a frame of perception to be put around what you're doing for an audience to kind of into the work. So when I started to think about that under the, um, you know, uh, luxury of having a couple of years um, doing a master's to really question all that, choreography for me started to really become about, okay, what are the choices, what are the choices around lighting, around the space, around the environment, around the audience's experience, around their sensory engagement and whatnot. So all of those things, I wouldn't say the dance is secondary to that, but I would say that definitely they're all, all on an equal par. Mm. Um, which I guess is why my business guys are an artist, not a choreographer. 
Um, because, uh, again, it's just a perception thing that, you know, that sort of traditional understanding of choreography being either side that this leg goes here and that hand goes there and this that, it is a bit too limiting for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that some, you know, again, that's what I said before, we make the work we want to see. Um, and some of the most exciting work that I've ever seen doesn't have a performer in it. You know, but I feel so engaged in that sense of fullness of performance is there. And there's, there's a narrative and there are, um, there are hurdles and there are obstacles and there are really exciting things going on and there are themes emerging, but sometimes there's nobody or sometimes there's a body sitting washing her back or sometimes there's someone just walking across stage, you know, and I find those moments really profound and exciting. If you can, as a, as a dance maker, if you can activate people on more than a visual level and more than a kinesthetic level, then, oh, hello, hello, <laughs> good thanks. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. It, it, you won't know until you physically get into the venue when you're back when you're down here in Adelaide before it opens. Absolutely. You know, being on that roof, having all of the elements there, seeing the light, having people in the space, you yeah. know, doing a test run here in Melbourne in a few weeks and that will radically shift things and a lot of that is about the experience of the audience. You know, how do I how do I make people embodied in this experience and not just sit or stand there and watch passively. Yeah. And it's one of your your work too yeah. is one of those works because you have the audience so close, they mm. do so much shape what actually happens during the work. Like I remember during some oh. of the Symphony of Strange shows that we did, that each night was so different depending on what the audience did. Like we would do the same yeah. things yeah. and then the audience would do totally different things and would just completely change the work that night. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you can't, well, first of all, you can't predict what an audience is going to do. If you give them the freedom to be in, in an immersive environment or some kind of a free environment, then they're going to make their own choices. And that's half the excitement of putting on a work, I think. Um, and I, I don't want to uh, deny the fact that, you know, each night there are 20 or 25 people coming because that's the capacity of the work. Um, I don't want to deny that they are 25 individual bodies, individual brains with their own experience and their own curiosities. Mm. You know, I don't want, I don't want to dictate to them this is where you have to, this is, this is the angle you look on, this is how you engage with the work, this is what I want you to feel when you come out. You yeah. know, that's all there, but I'm not going to tell people that that, that has to be their experience. It's, it's not. Their experience will be what they bring with them and, and, and what they're engaged with in the moment. And So I guess that most of my job is, is creating environments where there's enough for people to engage in, or perhaps too much. You know, so there's too much for people to engage in, so they've got a real claw in something. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll absolutely change. You know, the audience might, who knows, they might leave. They might walk up really close. They might laugh. They might find it hilarious. They might be really chilled by it. They might be blissed out by it. They might start chanting. Hey, who knows? It's all on the cards. Pretty yeah. exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't yeah. wait to see how the work evolves and catch up with you when you get to Adelaide in March for the Adelaide Fringe. Uh, Excavate yeah. is playing the element the Edmonds Building on Fisher Place in Adelaide. Uh, it'll be well signposted and stuff when we get to the Fringe itself. Uh, from the 3rd yeah. to the 7th of March at 7pm, ticks on sale through Fringe Ticks and more details at linkadelaide.com.au and adelaidefringe.com.au. Gareth, it is always a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon and uh, we'll see you Thank at the Fringe. You, Stephen. Absolutely, can't wait.
For more, visit linkadelaide.com.au, check us out at facebook.com forward slash linkadelaide or tweet us at linkadelaide.